Uh, well, good morning. My name is David. I love being one of the pastors around here. Um, if someone bribed you maybe with lunch or uh, told you that you were going to meet someone cute today, so you should join them, whatever the reason you're here, uh, we are glad you're joining us today. Uh, we just want to be a community that's chasing after Jesus. And uh, so we anchor ourselves in the text consistently. And we are in a book called First Peter, uh, one of Jesus' disciples named Peter. And he wrote a letter to some first century Christians. And so we've just been uh, opening this thing up week in, week out to try and hear what Peter is saying to his readers, which we believe is also then extended to us as uh, in God's sovereignty can apply to our lives today in 21st century uh, American culture. So uh, Peter now, he's been in this thread where he is pressing people on um, how they ought to live as followers of Jesus, to live this new identity. And, and he's in this thread of suffering, of, of how we encounter and endure and, and persevere and work through suffering. And so he's going to press us this morning about being prepared about entering circumstances in your life and being prepared for those circumstances. And so, Tim, we have a video. I'd love you guys just to see this video as we press Rich, into being prepared. What's the name prepared. of our next participant? Bob, it's David. David Bartosik. Come on down. You're the next contestant on The Price is Right. David, my man. Should I bring back that here? hair? Now, look at the next item up to be. It's a beautiful wine cabinet. This elegant wine cabinet from Jacqueline Smith, home by Largo, is set on a barley twist leg base. Anyone can over our house with storage familiar? on the right and stem glassware storage on the left. Both functional and beautiful from Jacqueline Smith, home by Largo. We want a bid from this David. David? David, it's your bid. Bob, could I go 825, Bob? 825, Darius, what do you say? 975. 975, Darius. $1, Quincy. Quincy, what do you think? 976. 976. The actual retail price is 899 and this David wins. Come up here, David. Right over here, David. David. <laughs> of, of being prepared. Bob was not prepared for that hug was really what happened. But Peter, Peter is pressing us in about being prepared. Maybe not prepared for the cost of toothpaste and wine cabinets, but rather what it looks like for us as followers of Jesus to be prepared in the way we live our lives Monday to Saturday. And so Here's the text where we're headed this morning. Since therefore Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves. Be prepared with this way of thinking. Arm yourselves with this way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time is past, suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. 
But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Peter continues this morning to prepare us to live as followers of Jesus within a society that is less sympathetic to our faith. And so by adopting the same resolve as Jesus, by arming ourselves with the same resolve as Jesus, we are placing complete confidence in God that he will use every circumstance to bring us the best life. Peter wants us to be prepared, and he's going to give us five ways we might live that out. So pray with me as we jump into the text this morning. God, you're so good. We want to proclaim that reality, that truth, your goodness. Sometimes we don't always see it. Uh, we, we feel like we're in a fog or dazed. Uh, we want to continue to anchor our lives that you are good and you want to give good gifts to your kids that you've given us freedom and joy in you. So help us experience you a little bit more fully as we dig into your word this morning together. Thank you, Jesus, for your glory we pray. Amen. Amen. So being prepared for anything that might come your way. Here's how he shifts. Since therefore Christ has suffered in the flesh, he gave us last week two models, Noah and Jesus, as an example for how to live. And now he's building upon the example of Jesus. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh in his death, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. So what is that thinking that Jesus was so anchored in that we too ought to live our lives as we go through our Monday to Saturday, as we encounter uh, a perspective that is different than those that might follow Jesus, how might we continue to say Jesus is better? We arm ourselves with the same way of thinking that he did. And so he's got five encouragements. The first, he's going to say, Turn from sin. As you go through this life and you're, and you're challenged, don't forget this massive turn that has taken place in your life. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh, so Jesus suffered in the flesh, and there's a way that he suffered in the flesh that now is connected to the way we suffer in the flesh and if that connection is true, we have ceased from sin. Now, don't go to the place that we, we just stop sinning in this life, right? We, we understand there's this brokenness that exists, but he's given us a power for how we ought to live. When Satan tempts us to despair, there's this enemy that would attempt to afflict our lives in our day-to-day. -day. There's something that we arm ourselves in the way we're thinking. We're prepared in the way we live life. And he's just told us a little bit about Jesus earlier. So how did Jesus suffer in the flesh? Chapter 3, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh. So Jesus was put to death in the flesh and made alive in the Spirit. And so too for us, he himself in verse 24 of chapter 2, you kind of see how this book builds upon itself, right? You ever read like a chapter book and we're reading Junie B. Jones at, at home and they kind of build upon each other? Biblical authors do the same thing, right? They kind of build upon what they've said before. Chapter 2, 24, he himself bore our sins. You guys aren't even going to hear anything I'm about to say because you're thinking about Junie B. Jones and maybe a story that you read to one of your kids, aren't you? Yes. Put Junie B. Jones just on the side for a second. Sometimes 
less helpful. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin. Suffer in the flesh, he's equating to dying to sin. By his wounds, you have been healed. So now let's go back. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, he's trying to prepare us to live life. Arm yourself with the same way of thinking as Jesus. Jesus died and was resurrected. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. We are confident, those that have put their faith and trust and hope in Jesus, when Jesus was buried and rose again, we too were buried with him and have been raised to a new life. It's the beautiful symbol of baptism. If you've never been baptized, we would love to have that public symbol. You've been buried with Christ and raised to a new life, and you have ceased to sin. You've been freed from the weight of sin. Here's how Paul says it in chapter 6 of Romans. For if we've been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free. Peter's going to tell us in a few verses, there's a devil roaring like a lion, prowling around to devour. How do we arm ourselves in this life? When Satan tempts me to despair, whatever that thing, that guilt, that weight, that shame that still clings to my life, that Satan would attempt to say, you think you follow Jesus and you still do this? Don't you know how broken and wretched you are? When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within Upward I look and I see him there who made an end to all my sin. That we cease from sin. In what way do we cease from sin? In the sense that I now anchor my life in the resurrected Jesus. And when Satan tempts me to despair with this weight, I can proclaim with victory I've been risen with Jesus. This hurt and this pain and this shame and guilt that used to just overwhelm me has been now lifted and there is a freedom that comes in Jesus. So when I feel that guilt and shame, what does that tell me? That I'm still believing that there's some saving I can do of my own soul and I'm not experiencing that grace as fully as I could. Peter says, the way you arm yourself, the way you go through this life Monday to Saturday is you cling more fully that you have ceased from sin. You've turned from sin. He says this, turn from sin and forget the past. Here's what he says. Since therefore Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. How can I be prepared? How can I be prepared as I go through? Arm yourself with the same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer right? He has ceased. There's something that has happened in the past. So as to live for the rest of the time in the body, as we live the rest of this life in the body, no longer for human passions, but the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. He's making this list of what they might be afflicted with in this culture. And he's saying, and that's in your past. Now, I don't know what circumstances might be still clinging to you, whether there's some type of trauma or hurt you've experienced, and that, and that, that attempts to have sway in your life, that past comes back to haunt you. Paul says, 
for the time that past suffices for doing what the Gentiles do. Now, now, no longer live the rest of the time in the flesh with the human passions, but for the will of God. Pursue more of Jesus in your life. Still battling, but that, that past, let that go. Forget the past. What, what challenges me is I don't think it's just limited to those that have maybe a, a challenging past. But even for those that maybe came to faith earlier in life and don't have past they're relinquishing, but maybe are tempted to believe the grass is greener on the other side. No matter how much of your past is past, he's saying, let the past go and pursue Jesus. Forget the past and believe there's more joy in Jesus than anything else this life has to offer. How do we arm ourselves? Turn from sin, forget our past. And I think it almost feels like a commentary on the American culture. <laughs> he says, understand the anger that exists. Understand. Does anybody get the sense that there's, there's an anger that kind of permeates our community right now? Anybody feel that? Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but the will of God. For the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. So he's saying, don't be surprised when there's anger and, and you're saying, I think Jesus is better. I think there's a better life to cling to and my hope is in Jesus. But test this, because I thought this was fascinating. Because we could read that and what comes to mind? Let's just circle the wagons and, and, and just live a separatist life, <laughs> right? For, why, why would I want to interact with anybody? Peter says, with respect to this, they're surprised when they do not join you in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. What? Let's just circle the wagons and, and isolate and live a separatist mentality. But if you remember back to chapter 2, verse 12, kind of this goal of the book, what does Peter say? Guys, wheels are spinning. You're like, chapter 2, that feels like forever ago. What did he say? He said, I actually want the followers of Jesus to have this beautiful aroma about their life. I, I want this to be a fragrance that permeates your life in the way you live. Here's what he said in chapter 215, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. And then chapter 2, verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That, that you... You have this tension. Do you guys feel it? That on one side, you're supposed to be so strange and different that they are surprised by your behavior. That they look at your behavior and they go, that feels so counterintuitive. You know, Game of Thrones, that came out, that was a massive success. Some of you might have said, nah, I'm just really not interested in watching Game of Thrones. Kind of a, a more explicitive content. 
And people in your circle might have said, well, that sounds terrible. Why would you not watch this show? It's a great show. Possibly, you could get misconstrued as just an extreme conservative if you love right to life. If you just want to proclaim the life and vitality of a human being in a mother's womb, you can get labeled as, you're just this crazy conservative. Or if you have a heart to fight against racism, you could just get viewed as a liberal. We just want to keep anchoring our life in Jesus, and through our good works, they might glorify our Father, right? That we're supposed to be so strange and yet so compelling simultaneously that there is this beauty and attractiveness about the gospel in and through our lives. And if you can see, it wasn't just about a list of don'ts, right? Did you guys catch that? Because it feels like on one side, man, David just embraced the culture. Win the culture by being a part of them. Win the culture by being cool or trendy or relevant, whatever it is. That's how you're going to win the culture. And yet Peter seems to be advocating for a significantly different methodology on how we would actually win the culture for Jesus. That they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of their visitation. And so, it's a conviction that this is for our joy. It's not just this list of don'ts. You guys felt that, right? It wasn't just somehow you're going to win the culture by if I just don't lie when I make my, my taxes. If I just don't, if I just don't cheat and, and, I, and I'm, you know, in, in my own private life, but there's something about this visible expression of good that's for our joy and actually for the joy of those around us. You know, I was in my my kitchen the other day holding an avocado. You guys like avocados? Braxton Mackesy and I had a great dialogue first service about avocados. Um, Braxton six, I think, in case you were wondering who I was having a conversation with. It was a fascinating conversation. Uh, So, I was holding this avocado. You ever cut into an avocado in California? Oh, California, I can't get enough of guac. Anyway, and, and what's great about Wisconsin, I used to pay like two bucks an avocado. Now they're like 85 cents at Walmart. Anyway, so you cut into this avocado. And if you cut into it too soon, if it's not ripe, what happens? It just can't quite, ugh, it's, it's rough, right? And I was holding this avocado, cutting in it too soon. And this, and this hit me, I just need to have this avocado ripen up a little bit before it's ripe to be turned into delicious guacamole. I think in our culture, sometimes I, I get frustrated or, or agitated. Man, God, well, why aren't you moving at hearts more quickly than I would like? And yet, I heard this message as I was looking at the avocado. God, it's my timing, right? Not, my, not David, it's not your timing, it's my timing. And, and I'm ripening souls And so, David, arm yourself with this thinking, right? Don't be surprised when they malign you if you anchor your life in me. This is both for your joy, David, and the way you live out your life as a visible sign that you find your deepest deepest joy in me. We are given that opportunity. Turn from sin, forget our past, understand the anger, and justice does arrive. Since therefore Christ has suffered in the flesh arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. 
With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you, but they will give an account to him. Because there's something in us, in, in being made in the image of God, we long for justice. We, we want justice in this world, in this life. When you see child abuse, you, do, you don't want child abuse. When you maybe were in a business dealing and you were cheated by your partner, you, you feel this desire for retribution. Here's the conviction. All will answer. How do we arm ourselves? How do we prepare Our preparing looks more than just making sure we know the dollars and cents for toothpaste and a wine cabinet. Convinced that that God is actually at work and justice is accomplished. All will answer. And he is ready to judge the living and the dead. This deep conviction that death is no escape. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die only is a successful strategy if, if death is an escape. Peter's saying, arm yourself as you go through this life. You might be tempted. Is justice even being served? Peter's saying, yes, there is a God who judges justly. Turn from sin, forget our past, understand the anger. Justice does arrive. And it's wild to me, every biblical author, they get after this point. They care deeply about the resurrection. That there was a guy who existed 2,000 years ago and rose again and shifted the trajectory even so much that we worship on Sundays. Why? Because we are convinced that Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday and is coming back victoriously. We are confident in our future. Peter says, arm yourself with this way of thinking. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. In that verse, we're going to look at it here a little bit more closely, but this powerful idea, we're confident in our future. But what specifically does it feel like Peter is trying to address in this verse? Why does he use these words? For this is why the gospel was preached. For, for this is why the gospel was preached. You guys know people that followed Jesus and died? Is that something maybe you've experienced, heard of? Possibly, Peter's audience did as well. And they were receiving feedback in the sense of, you know, John, he died too. What's the deal? What's the problem? You know, death is going to come for us all. Why should I change my life now? Why should I change the way I live? Death comes for you and death's going to come for me. For this is why the gospel was preached. Even to those who are dead. You know those people that claim to follow Jesus? They're dead too. But Peter is trying to arm us in our thinking for how we ought to live. So even to those who are dead who preach the gospel and receive Jesus, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, how are people judged in the flesh? They die, right? Death comes for us all. 
even though they were judged in the flesh the same way people are, Peter has a deep conviction on how we ought to arm ourselves in our thinking. For this is why the gospel was preached. Even to those who are dead, those Christians that died, that people would say, you guys are crazy. Why do you keep believing this stuff? Eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we're all going to die, though judged in the same way people are. They might live in the spirit the way God does. These biblical authors just keep going back relentlessly to the power of the resurrection that changes everything. That we actually believe and we want to live in such a way that when we stand before God, he says, welcome home. To claim confidence, death, where is your sting? Because we say with confidence, we have victory with Jesus over death. And Paul, suffering here cannot be compared to the glory there. So when I'm tempted to wrestle, man, isn't this all there is? Peter says this, or Paul says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed. And there was an author by the name of Leo Tolstoy, if that name means anything to anybody. He was a Russian author, a famed author, considered one of the greatest authors of all time, um, and had a spiritual awakening later in life. Wrote a book called Confessions. He wrote War and Peace, if that means anything. Was up for Nobel Peace Prize after Nobel Peace Prize in literature, year after year during his era. And, um, and there's a quote that Tim Keller compiled. I went back and read a little bit of this book. Leo Tolstoy is now, later in life, reflecting on his success and this idea that death comes for us all. Here's what he says, and I'll read it for you. Probably hard to read. I think we put the slides online. Phil can confirm or deny that. You can go back and find this. Here's what Leo Tolstoy said. Something strange began to happen to me at the age of 50. I had a wife who loved me and whom I loved. I had a large estate, which, without much effort on my part, increased. My name was respected, I enjoyed physical strength, and yet I could not live because of death. The question which brought me to the verge of suicide sought an answer without without which one cannot live. Is there any meaning in life that my inevitable death does not destroy? Let me say that one more time. Is there any meaning in life that my inevitable death cannot destroy? Today or tomorrow, death will come to those I love and then to me. Soon, not only will I not exist, there's a lot of successful people buried in the ground. Today or tomorrow, death will come to those I love and then to me. Soon, not only will I not exist, but eventually no one will exist, will remember anything I have written or done. Why then go on with the effort? What is it all for? What does it all lead to? What difference does it make whether or not I do this thing or that thing or nothing at all? So I could give no rational meaning to any single action or even to my whole life. But what was so surprising was how we can fail to see this. For a time, it is possible to live intoxicated with life. But as soon as one is sober, intoxicated with life, with all the things that are vying for my attention. But as soon as one is sober, it is impossible not to see that life in the face of death is a fraud and a stupid fraud. How often I have been told, oh, you cannot understand the meaning of life, so don't think about it, just live. But I no longer can do that. 
that he was confronted by this enemy that comes for us all. What do I do with the reality of death? Peter says, arm yourself with this way of thinking that in Christ there is victory in life beyond this. Not just sprinkling a little morality on our lives and calling it good, but actually being so saturated and chasing after Jesus. You can see this myriad of of examples, right? Where the temporary materialistic things in my life fade away. (laughs) Whether that be my car, my house, my relationships, even to the point of should, should God ever take my kids, this conviction that we are longing for the life after this. Here's what he says, what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal how does peter want to arm our thinking he says turn from sin he says forget the past he says understand the anger that you may experience when making a stand for visible good for jesus he says justice will be accomplished and there is a confidence in our future so here are some encouragements, some takeaways as, as, we, uh, as we are sent out. And if this, if this story with Jesus, I don't know where you find yourself on this spiritual journey. Here's our conviction around here. We're going to take communion. We think communion is a, a beautiful symbol for the believer to, to reconcile through one element. We collectively become one as we celebrate Jesus. If that's not true of you, here's the beauty. You're invited to this beautiful message, no matter what has happened in your past, invited personally to look up and find this freedom and joy to cease from sin, to no longer believe these other temporary joys offer the same lasting joy that comes in a relationship with Jesus and the freedom that comes in knowing him. If that's never been true of your life, there's a beautiful invitation to accept Jesus as the, the guy that sits on the throne of our hearts. And Peter's encouragement to us That fight doesn't stop. Instead, we continue to think rightly about Jesus and who we are in him as the key to our spiritual vitality. And so what does that look like? Peter's challenged us to remember the cross as a model for our life. That, that I don't think Jesus was sitting there going, man, I, I just would love to continue to endure this hurt and pain. And yet he says, justice will be accomplished. I will be vindicated by the Father. And so we remember the cross and use the cross as the model for our lives in this non-retaliatory, visible demonstration of the gospel through our lives. And we're about to do communion together. Whereas baptism is this beautiful symbol of an inward experience that gets demonstrated outwards, communion is where we as the body come together around the table, around the elements, to demonstrate unity around this table. So as we prepare for communion, We get to remember what Christ did upon the cross and we proclaim his death until he returns. And Peter's encouragement, we keep living. 
We don't actually become this separatist society. We actually continue to do our jobs and we work and we go to our families and we live in the community. We don't become this separatist community. Instead, there's something strange and winsome about the beauty of the follower of Jesus. We keep living as to win those who have yet to treasure Christ, believing that maybe the avocado isn't quite ripe yet. But God in his sovereignty is doing work in souls. We just want to wake up to the reality that God is at work all around us. And then... Are you ready? That someday we will stand before God. May that reality play back into our everyday so that we live each day with the reality of, God, I don't know what you have for my day today. May I live it fully being confident that I'm going to stand before you and I want to be welcomed home into your eternity. Pray with me. God, stretch our faith this week. Fill us with your spirit this week. We want to be uh, confident of our future. Though that this life and this body and the surgeries and the aches and the pains are present, may we have a clarity that we want to live for you in the midst of any circumstance we encounter. We thank you for your words through Peter to give us more preparedness as we go through our Monday to Saturday. Help us glorify you in all we do. Always in your name we pray.